Welcome to another bite-sized breakdown, where today we're going to be taking a look at the Final Fantasy VI Piano Collection album. Uh, because it's one of my favorite albums, I dig music. And I'm a golden guy. No, that's a reference to Almost Famous. Uh, no, but I do dig music. This is a great album, and I think you should check it out. You should listen to it if you haven't already. Um, and here's why. I mean, I'll be explaining. Let's Today, we're going to walk through all of the tracks of the album, and I just want to give you a feeling for it. I want to kind of explain some of it, at least from my vantage point. Um, basically, we're just going to be listening to it, and I'm going to share with you what I hear. I'm not the best music analyst, so I'm not going to go through. I'm not um, particularly uh, great in my musicianship. I can't go through the different chord structures that are being used. I'm just going to share with you what I hear, what I think comes through in these very simple arrangements of some fantastic songs. Um, so if you can't tell by now, uh, I do really like this album and I think you should check it out. Um, but I'm going to explain to you why, um, there's 13 tracks on this album. So I'm going to have to keep this short if it's still going to stay within our bite-sized criteria. I know this is a little bit different because video games, but music, but this is music from video games. So it's, you know, it's somewhat related. Uh, I think if you played Final Fantasy VI and you listen to this album in particularly, then you will get some of the nostalgia and, and definitely it'll hit you in the feels. Regardless, I think this album will hit you in the feels. And uh, th well, let's go ahead and just jump in before I take up too much time with this uh, dumb little intro here. I do think that uh, what we're going to be doing today on this episode does fall under fair use, so I'm actually going to go ahead and include some clips from these tracks themselves. It's, it's just so hard to explain what I'm thinking and feeling uh, if this music isn't actually playing, if you can't actually hear what I'm hearing. So let's go ahead and jump into the album. The album begins with Tara's theme. This is kind of the main track of the entire song. Um, oh man, it's so simple and serene and beautiful. Um, you know, the, the reason I actually decided to do this whole um, bite size about this album is it's a little personal, but I'll go ahead and share it with you. Um, you know, I'm, a, I'm an emo sad boy, right? <laughs> well, sort of. Anyways, I was just, I was having a rough day, basically. Uh, I was getting frustrated and overwhelmed by just about anything. Um, my kids were freaking out, and it just got on my nerves. And it just, the pressures of life had gotten to me, and I was pretty stressed. And so I was looking for something to just be able to calm down. And honestly, I put on this soundtrack and guys, I almost cried when I listened to this because I just find this to be so beautiful and it was just the perfect thing that I need. Now, we can debate whether or not that's a good thing. You go to music first, I, you know. Okay, my experience was that I put this on and I, I felt feelings <laughs> and I was able to put my day in perspective and uh, like I said I almost cried listening to this so anyways that's just a little bit of an intro to this but okay so Tara's theme Tina's theme whatever uh, you want to call her um man oh man you know like I mentioned earlier if you've played Final Fantasy 6 just the waves of nostalgia <laughs> that come over 
when I listen to this. Um, you know, the, the music, it is simple and beautiful, and yet at the same time, it, it just kind of reminds you of the start of an epic quest, you know? The, the best kind of themes there are in video game music and music in general, uh, well, no, for video games, they, they just sound like, okay, we're about to start, we're about to embark. It, it pushes you, it propels you forward into thinking about the future. Um, another beautiful thing I think about this album in particular, something that you can hear on these tracks, um, they're not exactly all in time. There's no metronome. This was not done um, mechanically. If you listen to the playing of the piano, uh, you can hear when the player hits the sustain pedal or the the, um, the draw pedal. I, I don't I don't remember what it's called, but yeah, there's just the the pedal. It's you can hear the pedal being hit by his foot. Um, the recordings are simple and they're raw. And I think that just adds to the beauty. You know, maybe that's just my punk rock sensibilities. I like that rawness. Um, but it's also the simplicity of everything. Uh, so that the the uh, composition itself comes through beautifully. So track two on the album is Gao's theme. Um, this song, to me, it feels stronger. It's not quite as delicate as the previous song. Um, and as the song goes on, the composition itself grows. It starts off more sparse, but then it gets stronger. It grows. And that causes me to think of Gao as a character. And, um, you know, while his arc, he doesn't have a super strong arc himself, although you get to see his tragic backstory, and that is pretty intense. Um, it makes me think of how his effect on the rest of the party, uh, you know, how, how it affects everyone else and how they're changed by what he does. Um, I think that's pretty awesome that those thoughts and feelings come out just from listening to his theme. Um, the, the song itself, it transitions back, uh, even now, you can hear it, it gets more intense, um, and it vacillates between this strong, kind of heavier type of melody, you feel some of the weight of the things that Gao has gone through, but then it transitions back into its lighter melody, um, and I think this is poignant because it brings out some of the idealistic nature of the character, um, as he goes through the dark parts of himself and of the story of Final Fantasy VI itself, um, the music shows that by getting heavy and strong, and then also um, it goes back to when it's a little bit more sparse and more relaxing. And so you get both of these sides of the character just in the music. I think that's awesome. And I think also this shows the versatility of this song, of this melody, with just a piano. Um, if you listen to the original song, uh, it's got a lot more than just a piano to it. Um, but man, what a, what a great track that you can get these feelings even just from a solo piano piece. Track three is Kefka's theme. And so now we're stepping out of that um, more floaty, sustained type of sound where it's much more staccato. Um, and especially after these first two tracks, 
I think this one is a lot more jarring and harsh. Um, you get... Well, okay, it lulls you into a false sense of security. Like, this part that's playing right now, it, it has some beauty to it. It's elegant for a few seconds. But then it goes back into... Almost dissonance? <laughs> it's not sure that those those notes should be played together. Something definitely feels off about it. There's a bit about the song that feels uh, mischievous a little bit, but this song is really so varied. Uh, like this part right now. It feels like there's something going on behind uh, his persona uh, that you, you don't quite trust. Um, some of the piano runs feel like they're kind of falling down later in the song, but then it's also followed by a, a stronger uh, melody, a stronger chords that come through. It really, I think this song just shows the disjointed sides of Kefka's character. Because he is comedic, especially in the beginning of the game, but he's also abrasive, and, and he's harsh. Uh, th this isn't quite, you know, going to the depths of a song like Dancing Mad on the, on the soundtrack proper, um, but I do really think that this track showcases just how, um, yeah, just disjointed that Kefka himself is like he doesn't as a character i mean he probably has the, the strangest art but he almost has multiple personalities if that makes sense and i think this composition shows that and uh that's what i really like about the song is called Spinach Rag. This one is just fun and upbeat. Um, it's lighthearted. To me, uh, this song doesn't feel out of place on like a Dragon Quest game. Um, those types of games are much more kind of airy and light, if that makes sense. Uh, now, not not everything in Dragon Quest. I'm not, I don't mean to categorize it. I just mean if you think of Final Fantasy VI, I think primarily of a, a very, very tragic story, tragic hopeful story, whereas Dragon Quest uh, much more feels like a heroic story, if that makes any sense, uh, just in general. Um, I, I think something like this, it sounds like uh, music that would be played in a saloon. You know, that's just the kind of uh, feeling that it gives me when I listen to it. Um, eventually, the song opens up. It's got more of a classical sound to it, uh, rather than kind of the ragtime. Um, but, I mean, it's all generally pretty upbeat and lighthearted. Uh, to me, this song being the fourth track on the album, it does showcase the differences between all the tracks um, and how uh, varied this entire soundtrack is and the game itself is. Track five is Strago's theme. Now, this one, especially after Spin a Track, hits me as pretty dark. Um, I think it's most similar to Kefka's theme so far, but it feels more grounded. It doesn't feel as, you know, disjointed. It feels more, uh, yeah, connected to the ground. It's, it's still sporadic, but the eccentricities that it has, it, it hovers closer to classical pieces 
than straight up dissonance or or those the unsettling dissonant melodies that Kafka uses. Um, now I say that I think a majority of this piece does feel more unsettling than it does say unhinged that Kafka's does. Like something something about this part right now just feels wrong. Okay, but then it comes back in and it feels more uh, standard, if that means more classical, more uh, like like something that you can hold onto. Those parts where um, it does feel more unsettled are, are quickly swallowed up by something that feels uh, not quite so out of place. Um, I find this to be a really interesting theme. I like the song overall, but I think it's interesting that it's Strago because Strago is one of the heroes. So, hmm. Track six is The Mystic Forest. Oh man, uh, maybe it's just because the title, but I just think of uncovering a mystery. That's what this song feels like. It feels like uh, there's something hidden, but it also, the music kind of gives you a hope in searching for that mystery, searching for whatever's hidden. Um, as I listen to this, uh, it reminds me of the heartbreaking scenes that are to come in the game when you go into the Mystic Forest. Um, the Mystic Forest, I mean, it's, it's fairly early on in the game, but this is right before you get to the Phantom Train and the reminder of the loss of Cyan's family. I don't have time to play this entire piece, but about halfway into it, the piano starts using faster notes, which brings more of a sense of urgency um, before it calms down again and you get that that uh, beauty that comes back in, but also that longing. The very end of the song, I feel, is harrowing, especially in light of where this song takes you in the story. Um, it just reminds me of, like I said, a mystery, but also of the impending loss that you're reminded of in the game. Track 7 is called Kids Run Through the City Corner. Uh, this title, I think, is funny because you'd think it would have more of a slapstick feel that the song would, you know, maybe another one of those kind of saloon songs. But to me, this song sounds like it could open a game or even an anime. You know, you could go through the... the um opening credits that's what they're called <laughs> it also almost sounds like it could be like a bbc production you know something like uh, downton abbey could start off with a piece like this um i think the oh, the the sound that i get from it what the, this makes me think of it just sounds familiar and soothing with a dignified type of strength which again it's just really funny that this one is called running kids running through the city corner it's that's not the feel that i get i like the song a lot and i like what it brings to the table uh, uh that title though that's that's a strange one track 
8 is Johnny Seabad, and I think that's hilarious. Um, this is another, th- this is what I would call a saloon song. Um, it's just bluesy and it's fun, if not a bit repetitive. Um, I love the title, Johnny Seabad. Uh, clearly, it's an ode to Johnny Be Good. You know, if you've seen Back to the Future, you see Marty McFly play that song, um, th- but this is Johnny Seabad. <laughs> uh, nice one, Uematsu. Track nine is The Phantom Train. Now this one, like we've seen in some of the other songs, it doesn't have a standard tempo to it. It's definitely not played to a metronome. Um, The timing is kind of all over the place intentionally. Now, to me, I think that shows the uh, expertise of the person actually playing the piano, that they can play it and flow with the notes without holding to a specific time. Uh, But I think that also, for the listener, it leaves me feeling uneasy, feeling kind of unsure and unsteady of of what's happening in the music itself. It's almost like auditory vertigo for some of the piece. Um, And that reminds me of the Phantom Train in the game. Uh, There are ghosts that are taking the party to the afterlife. But in the game, it's more played for laughs rather than going completely dark. You know, it's, it's not like, oh, you're all... Yes, there's this realization of you're all going to die, but it's, but it's in a, a very comedic sense. It's, it's, not, it's not morbid like you would think it would be. Um, but to me, that also kind of makes the ending of the Phantom Train hit even harder because then you do realize it's not all just a joke. And I think this song kind of does that as well. It it doesn't signal immediate danger, but it definitely leaves you with your guard up to see what's coming next. Track 10 is The Decisive Battle. Oh, this is just a fantastic piece that gets my blood pumping. Um, I think this song is epic and driving. Uh, To me, it's surprising how well that it works on just a piano. Because honestly, if there are any of the tracks on this album that need to be heard fully orchestrated or in in the context of the game, I think it's this song. Um, I do really like this track on the album. I like the, the beauty that it brings on just a solo piano. But man, this, you need to hear that. If you haven't heard this song um, done fully, then you need to, because it's just so good. It, man, this game, th- this game just has such good battle music. Track 11 is called Coin of Fate. Uh, In heavy contrast to the last song, this song is delicate. To me, it sounds hopeful. It's arresting and contemplative. This is a great track to just close your eyes and breathe. Slightly anachronistically, it reminds me of some of the slower moments in, like, Chrono Trigger. uh, Like the end of time, or something like that. Uh, I think one of the great things about this track is that it uses leitmotif. It uses some of the similar melodies that are referenced throughout the soundtrack. 
to, to make the whole uh, soundtrack of the game feel whole. <laughs> it feels like it, it feels it unifies everything together because it references uh, some of the similar melodies that are used throughout the game. As I listen to this song, um, man, it really is amazing that a single instrument, the piano, can fill you, can fill me with with such a just a hope for the future. It feels so hopeful. It makes me think about what's coming and gives me uh, a sense of strength and acceptance. Uh, it, it lets me let go of kind of the jaded part of myself or, or you know, like I talked about when I listened to the soundtrack uh, a week or two ago, that lets go of that frustration and guides me to a place of acceptance. Which is interesting because the song is called Coin of Fate. Um, in the game, it's, it's, it marks a character's change of heart. Um, and the direction of their life after that moment in the story. So uh, with this song in particular, I think the title is very fitting. It's hard to say because I like this soundtrack so much, but I think I have to say this is one of my favorite tracks in the whole album. And then after... uh, Track 11, track 12 is Celis's theme. And at this point in the album, I'm not sure what to say anymore. Um, by this point, after everything emotionally that I've gone through in listening to just the soundtrack, my heart is almost overwhelmed by the journey, the highs and the lows, right? The, the memories of uh, tragedy and loss but also the the strength to move on and some of the lighthearted bits as well. Uh, And then then they put this song in here. (laughs) Um, I'm just about out of descriptors, so I may just be repeating myself, but um, here it goes. Uh, This song starts out brooding a bit, but as you can hear now, it opens up into a beautiful, lush arrangement. Again, with just a single piano. Man, um, if you know anything about Final Fantasy VI, you've probably heard of the opera scene, and this is the music from that famous opera scene. It was written to capture your emotion and express the changing of a character's heart, uh, similar to what I talked about in Coin of Fate, but even more so, this one's much more on the nose. It's definitely trying to drive you into that. Um, it's a, a turning around of this character, Celis, her life, and an acceptance of the horrible things that she's gone through, but also how she needs to press forward and make her way in the world, joined with this ragtag group of protagonists, all with their own issues. And to me, that emotional weight comes through these piano strings so beautifully. Ah, it's, it's fantastic. What a way to end this album. guess it's not over yet uh track 13 waltz to chocobo um 
This one, it, it, to me, it feels like Uematsu wanted to just end the album on a lighter note. This is a fun track, but I do think it has its beauty as well. Um, to me, this song sounds like youth, a, a youthfulness. Um, it, it does still have just that inherent beauty to it and, and classical kind of nature to the composition. But it's also, because it's so fun and light, it reminds me, you know, it's, it sounds like it would be in Pokemon, right? <laughs> it, it, it tells you, yes, you're on this journey, but there is, there is strength to move on. Not that you have to uh, capture from the guttural sense and really dig deep, but the strength that you get from following the path that is set before you. Again, to me, it sounds like youth. So, what is there to say? Um, man, I just my heartstrings. Maybe it's nostalgia, you know? Um, maybe I'm crazy. Maybe this album doesn't mean anything to you at all. Um, but to me, this album is relaxing, but it's so much more than that. It's cathartic. It invites you to drop your guard and to really feel something. And that's why I wanted to take this time to to just kind of explain to you some of the feelings that I get. And hopefully you're feeling something as well. It's more than just the notes that are being played, the chords that are being struck, the timing. All of that kind of coalesces into a, a, a truly emotional experience in my estimation. Um, and again, you might just think that's nostalgia talking. Maybe I'm, I'm crazy. But I'd invite you to put on a pair of headphones and try it on for yourself. You may just be surprised where it takes you to. Uh, you know, you can search YouTube. You can go to Spotify. There's even a, a, a deluxe edition of this album with tracks that I didn't cover. But I, I encourage you, take the time to just sit and breathe and listen to this album. Or, uh, you know, maybe you'll just think I'm just too much of an old school emo sad boy. Either way, just let us know. And don't blame Nate. This was all Josh this time around. Uh, you know, talking about feelings and emotions and stuff. You know, I, I don't do this too often. Um, I don't bear my soul before the world every day. But, you know, maybe that's just uh, maybe that's just me being a 30 year old emo kid. I don't know. Anyways, guys, till next time, we will uh, catch you later. Keep beating down your backlogs. And we'll keep breaking down the benefits of some awesome video game albums. See ya. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of The Backlog Breakdown. If you want to join in the conversation, you can email us at thebacklogbreakdown at gmail.com or join our Facebook group, The Backlog Book Club, on Facebook. And on Twitter, our handle is at BBDownCast. Of course, you can also catch Nate and I on our social media platforms like Facebook, Twitter, and the GG app. I go by Broccolope, that's spelled B-R-O-C-C-O-L-O-P-E, and Nate goes by Nate underscore McKeever. Till next time, loggers, you keep beating down those backlogs, and we'll keep breaking down the benefits.